0: To a new series from the Messy Reformation. There's been a lot of discussion and deliberation coming out of Synod 2022 around issues of sexuality. Much of the discussion has focused on whether the decisions made were good or bad, helpful or hurtful. However, Synod made some other declarations that we need to pay attention to. Synod repeatedly encouraged churches throughout the CRC to start having discussions about what it looks like to do pastoral care with those who are sexually struggling. Synod stated that the Human Sexuality Report offered sound, introductory guidance for churches that should serve as conversation starters on how to best do pastoral care in these circumstances. Synod also stated that continuing conversation around pastoral care might have a powerful influence on elements of congregational life, such as gospel preaching, faith formation, the diaconate, our missional calling, the sacraments, and church discipline. With these strong encouragements from Synod for continued conversation on the topic of pastoral care for the sexually struggling, the Messy Reformation has decided to begin having some of those conversations, and we plan on dropping these episodes every Wednesday evening. We want to state right away at the beginning of each episode that we view these conversations as the beginning of a conversation. There's no way we can comprehensively discuss every element of pastoral care in such a small period of time. However, we want to start having the conversation and build from here. It's also important to remember that conversations go both ways. We don't want these conversations to remain between the people on the podcast. We want you to get involved as well. As you're listening to these conversations, we would love for you to be in conversation with us. We'd love for you to write down any questions, concerns, or pushback you may have, or anything you really loved about each episode. Then send that feedback to us at themessyreformation at gmail.com. We'll use your feedback to help us build future episodes to further answer your questions and concerns and then further the conversation. We're really excited about the opportunity to begin moving this conversation forward in a way that equips the saints, builds up the church, and brings glory and honor to God. So, get your pens and journals and enjoy the next conversation in our series, Pastoral Care for the Sexually Struggling. So, Peter, we've been uh, we've been covering some of the the prejudice, misunderstanding that that is felt by those struggling with same sex attraction. We've talked about some of the shame um, and kind of the third leg of this framework now is uh, the loneliness that that people who struggle with same sex attraction, this loneliness that they feel. We've already talked about how they're all they're all three pretty deeply connected. But why don't you kind of kick this part of the conversation off by just talking about probably some of the own loneliness that you've experienced in this regard?
1: Yeah, so there's there's a, a few layers uh, layers to this because there's also um, being a single person that's wrapped up into into all of this as well. So like, um, so just living by myself uh, is really difficult. Like I I'm not sure if people like understand how difficult that can be um, of just always eating on your own living on your own just coming to an empty house all the time um ed shaw in his book same-sex attraction in the church really does a good job of pointing this out well um and so there's that aspect of being by yourself all the time um that's pretty lonely and COVID has aggravated that immensely um so like for a bit there all my friends that I was hanging out with were uh, dead in the form of uh, theological books and yeah <laughs> uh, i i've become more friends with the calvin over the past couple of years um <laughs> and so so there there's uh that aspect but there's also that lonely aspect of uh comparing your life to everybody else's too so like all my friends where I live. And I, and I keep on trying to break out of this, but it's really difficult to do is all my friends are married people with like four kids. Um, and, uh, that creates a loneliness factor on a couple levels. Like one, my life is completely different. Um, in every, every way, like it's, uh, and so just knowing that I can't relate to people with a day-to-day life. Uh, but there's also like, it is it's so hard to hang out with you married folk like it's it's like your lives are determined by your kids uh
0: (laughs) that's true I, i i hear that
1: and so and like back in the day i used to be like just so angry at that i'm like like why don't they ever care about me but i'm just like well married folk also don't get the chance to care about themselves either like uh like kids really do suck up all the time and so i've i've become much more sympathetic to it but it doesn't change the fact that i hardly ever get to like be with people as a result and so the the loneliness can yeah can just be a very suffocating experience and this is like more anecdotal but when i look at like a lot of my friends friends who are committed to celibacy and went to the the affirming side of things which a lot of my friends have have gone that direction people who are like really solid in their theological convictions the the turning point for them wasn't hearing like an, an affirming interpretation of scripture that they agreed with it wasn't that it was they couldn't deal with the loneliness anymore Mm -hmm. Um, I can only think of one friend who is convinced by the more uh, or the affirming interpretation uh, hermeneutic of scripture. Um, Only one person has been convinced of that in my life and the countless others. uh, It was because they couldn't deal with the loneliness. So if we're um, as as a church concerned about people holding to like the. The, um, the position, the biblical orthodox position that the denomination has, uh, um, that holds, that the denomination holds to, we need to address the loneliness problem, because that is the core reason why many people are leaving that position.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, you make a good point, right? Because someone, on, on the one hand, the, there's a loneliness that the same-sex attracted person is experiencing just because their their experience is different, right? They they feel a loneliness because people, again, misunderstanding, and mm-hmm. so they, they're just not understood, and so you kind of can even feel alone in a group of people because you you just they it's almost like you're speaking different languages, right? So there's kind of yeah. a loneliness there, um, but then when we're asking people who to live out an orthodox sexuality along those lines, now we're, we're, it's almost like we're adding a burden, which we were talk, told, we we're not supposed to add a burden, but we're saying, all right, now you, you have to live single and, and celibate your whole life. Or, I mean, I suppose we could talk about this too, right? There are options of, uh this was controversial in the HSR, right? Of people getting married or whatever, but, but there's this, this struggle with loneliness of just being a single person in general, where, yeah, you're on your own. You're not surrounded by people. Now I I will say as a married person whose life is busy because of my kids and I never have any alone time, there are moments where I think being alone for a while sounds really nice. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but as you said, like I, I get after I go away on solitude retreats and I've been, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm alone for like 48 hours. And uh, by the time that 48 hours is done, I'm like, all right, I need to be around people. And so I get like for a 48 hour period, I'm realizing like, ooh, this is tough. This is a difficult place to be.
1: Yeah, easily the best part of Synod for me was having meals with other people, like which is like most people probably wouldn't. Like think about that or recognize that because a lot of time they're having meals with their families, and so it's just like I'm like, oh, I get to have conversation with other people while while eating like normally, the way I supplement that is by listening to podcasts or audiobooks because at least somebody's talking during those yeah. experiences <laughs> yeah. and yeah the that that loneliness, yeah, I think I think you're right, like for for a lot of people don't see loneliness as big of an issue because constantly they're yearning for those moments to be alone their lives are so busy that they want to uh, be by themselves but like the complete opposite can also be true and I'm somebody who is more of an introvert i'm very happy with my books i'm very happy with reading beowulf and the icelandic eddas like uh um but i i need to have some interaction with people (laughs) like, uh, and it's very, very tough to do because I often have to schedule those interactions like a week or two in advance. And that's the the way our society is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I mean, we just biblically, right. God has created us to be in a community, right. I mean, it, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, it is not good for man to be alone and he created woman to be with her. Right. But, um, but I think we've also t- explained that, you know, coming into the New Testament, and you can elaborate on this more too. You know, Paul talks about both being difficult callings, right? The calling to be married is is a difficult calling, and so he, then he lifts up singleness and like, "Hey, I wish everybody would be single. They could just devote themselves to the Lord, and and they wouldn't have to have these burdens and worries about their spouse." um but i think biblically if you kind of go beyond just those two passages we recognize like marriage is, has its own difficulties and singleness has its own difficulties and actually both both of those difficulties find their uh uh christian community brings some solutions to both of those difficulties
1: yeah this is okay, now we're getting to something that I'm really passionate about. This is where I actually disagree with the biblical interpretation presented in the HSR. Or maybe not disagree, I find it lacking. Okay. Uh because what the HSR like it points to the marriage in Genesis. Um and then like it begins there and it ends with the the marriage supper of of the lamb there. Like it's like it has that but there are two key aspects that are just glossed over. So, like when we look at Genesis, what happens after the, that marriage of Adam and Eve, and that little dicey situation with their kids there for a bit? <laughs> uh, they they built communities. Like you see all these descriptions in Genesis of the building of communities and culture, and and um, um, whatnot. And so, the solution to loneliness that is presented in Genesis isn't just the marriage. It's all the communities that come after the fact. And then when we look at the end of scripture with the, uh, the um, marriage supper of the, of the lamb, the uh, Christ and um, his bride coming together, we see the community of God's people like uh, dwelling within God's presence. And and, and the, this new Jerusalem, like you see, community. And the reason why I point that out is marriage is not the ultimate goal. The marriage forms and supports and helps create this community. Yes. And uh uh so the thing that I found lacking in the HSR is even though the HSR called out the idolatry that we have of marriage and family in our churches it's uh it didn't it it still somewhat saw marriage as the the ultimate goal within the biblical interpretation where it's like the ultimate goal is the community of god's people being in god's presence and so marriage it should always have that goal always have that focus of being a support of helping create community
0: yeah yeah and that's uh one of the one of the interesting things that um, I, I was just talking to you about this. We just did a really long series in our church, like a 20 part series on sexuality and we talked about singleness, we talked about marriage, talked about community. Um, and uh, and at one point in there, I was talking uh, what what we usually do is we, we're in such an individualistic culture right now that we think that all these things are about us. So we think like, hey, I'm gonna get married. this is gonna solve my loneliness. And uh, and it's like no, marriage actually wasn't created to be about you. <laughs> it, wasn't, it was created, yes, like on one level to point to Christ in the church, right? We we all understand that, but also your marriage was was like your marriage is about serving others and loving other people, and <laughs> one of the ways you do that, and I, it's just practical, like you have kids, so like because you need to. You need to have marriages to have other people, to have community, right? Like that's mm. like just practically, you exactly know, just what happens, right? Um, but that's one of the reasons why God created marriage is so that we could have communities. And so in that way, right, marriage does solve the problem of loneliness by creating communities. However, when we take and make marriage all about us and not about being the, the, a mechanism toward community, then uh then it's all about just solving my loneliness. Who cares about all the rest of you?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh and so marriage is this foundational aspect of community where we we have children who have children and then we have these communities that gather together to then care for those who are or not married and for the needy and the widow and the orphan and all of these people who don't have families then they find this love and support through the through the community.
1: Exactly. And We need to, like, have that approach for the health of our marriages, too. Um, Ed Shaw also points this out in his book on same-sex attraction in the church that, like, marriages, uh, when they see their spouse as the solution to their loneliness, it is destructive to a marriage because you try to essentially make your spouse God. Yes. Um, and, uh, marriages, the amount of lonely people that I know who are married is just crazy. And we need, so when we, uh, see marriage as a solution to loneliness and not as community, um, which, which really should make the most sense to us. Oh, if somebody's lonely, give them community. Like it's, uh, uh, so when we see community and the community of God's people as, um, Solving loneliness, the marriage is going to be healthier because they're also relying on community. Yes, uh, marriages that are by themselves are just doomed to destruction.
0: Hundred percent. Well, and what happens is, I I talk to married couples about this. I talk to teenage couples about this because they all have this. Like, if you think your your boyfriend or girlfriend or your spouse is going to solve all of your problems. Um, you're going to kill the relationship is what's going to happen Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: you're looking for that person to provide something for you that they can't give. And you're going to be just frustrated all the time. So you're going to satisfy all, I mean, I have a very good marriage. Don't get me wrong. And my wife will probably listen to this and I love you, but we also know like she knows that like, I don't fulfill all of her desires because I'm a, I'm a finite man right i'm a sinful man and i i mess up all the time right she doesn't fulfill all my desires either right and so we're we're if i expect her to i'm going to be angry and frustrated and i'm going to keep like i'm going to hold on to her so tightly hoping that she's going to fulfill my desires i'm going to crush her Mm -hmm. expecting her to live up to all these unrealistic demands and so there's a there's an understanding where no this marriage isn't about you and meeting all of your desires it's actually like this is a relationship where we're giving of each other Uh, you know I'm giving of myself to her she's giving of herself to me but then we also need and a lot of people are realizing this we also need that bigger community like it would not be good if it's just me and my wife and my kids off on our own that would not be good for either of us we need we need other people around us to to kind of meet some of those needs as well
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like one of my biggest pet peeves at almost every wedding wedding I'm at is one of the people getting married where they're like you're my best friend and I know full well that their real best friend is standing in the wedding party right next to them. It's yeah. like like come on. Can we can we like uh, stop idolizing the the spouse like this this has to stop here. Um a good book that I recommend um, and I I don't agree with everything that that she says, but as the gospel comes with the house key uh by Rosaria Butterfield uh because uh, she has this wonderful understanding that the the uh married person, the family, they have to practice hospitality so well, they see marriage as producing community and not marriage as the end goal yeah and uh so I in that book. Uh, her standard for hospitality is way beyond uh, uh most people but the interesting thing is a lot of her standards for hospitality comes from the lgbtq community when uh, sadly when you think of hospitality it's not Christians at least on this moment uh within human history it is the lgbtq community um uh, because of the crisis the AIDS crisis that that they had to go through and how they needed Community um, and hospitality and so one the reasons for rosaria's high standards is she's experienced that hospitality within the gay community um and then christians are supposed to be even more hospitable though so she notches up the standard even more and uh it's so it's that book is a very uh, (laughs) it's like oh wow this is what hospitality is and yes but we have to start somewhere so don't beat yourself up too much about it but that that is what we should be doing uh because that would really change the loneliness problem for both single people and people within marriages
0: yeah and again to kind of just bring this all into what we've been talking about this is what this is how we start doing pastoral care right for those in our in our congregations is um, this may sound like too big picturesque but like one of the ways we start doing pastoral care is just working in our churches to to create this atmosphere of hospitality and, and community mm-hmm. um, because like you said people are leaving right people are actually rejecting what they know to be true in order to find community right You've, you said you had some friends who did that yeah. So, um, our churches that that's just a sign to our churches that we really need to be able to grow in our, in our hospitality and our community.
1: Yeah. Here's, here's a good way to start is, uh, if there's a single person in your church, invite them over for dinner. Like, uh, like when I think of the loneliness moments for me, it is around dinner time. And so like, uh, that, that could go a long way. Uh, but, it's, uh, also like having those formal invitations, but also having that informal invitation where like, you can come anytime, like, uh, like just knock on the door. We don't care. Like, uh, because I can't think of anybody in my life where I could actually do that, but I so badly want to be able to like, if there's somebody, if I'm in a lonely moment, I know I can go to this person's house and, uh, um, and, uh, not have it be, uh, um yeah an awkward thing um but along to in order to do that though you have to be fine with people seeing your mess uh like so if uh if you tell people that like oh you can just knock on the door anytime you also have to be fine like ah life is a mess the house is a mess kids are crazy come on in like what <laughs> yep because that's also what I want. I want to be in the craziness of family life. And, and so it's uh, always having that open invitation and not, yeah, not being bothered by, uh, with people seeing your mess.
0: Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's a, that's a struggle for us, isn't it? I mean, we all, we, you know, people, we just had a bunch of people over to our house for Labor Day and and even though I'm pretty laid back about those things, you still have all those little things running through your mind like, oh, we got to get this cleaned up. We got to get this cleaned up. We got to get this cleaned up. We want everything to look nice for them. And and, uh, and really that can be just, uh, you're you're trying to be hospitable and trying to be hospitable can also end up in a reverse way, right? Uh, hindering your hospitality because you're hindering people feeling welcome to just come. Yeah, you know? and, and let's add another theological connection
1: here. Um, is uh, uh, we are uh, a part of God's family. We're family together. We all make vows of baptism that we're going to help raise this child in the faith. And so when you take that family language and you think of somebody in my situation who's single, who will probably never get married, but who always wanted kids, like here is god's family like where i all suddenly go from no kids to having like 50 and (laughs) and uh like what what we need to like if we have a better understanding of hospitality of having uh, uh welcoming people at any moment in our lives into our homes what this does is if i feel comfortable going to a person's house at any time i will start helping out with the chores too because this will feel like a a, a home to me um i might start helping to watch the kids like uh, um i i could uh, take out the garbage whatever uh when those sort of things happen life the hospitality the life of hospitality is all, all of suddenly the easier life it's uh really tricky to begin with but If if a person feels like this is their home, they can help with all the duties and responsibilities that that family is working with.
0: Yeah, I want to dive into something um, that I don't know, maybe you're not quite prepared to talk about, but that's fine. We'll we'll see where this goes, because it's something I've experienced um, over the years because I've had uh, numerous single friends. Who, uh, who were part of, we had a group of us that were part of this kind of young adult Bible study. And like half of us were married and half were single. And, and there came a point where where the single people said, like, you don't really care about us. You don't really feel like you're part, we don't feel welcome here because you're all families. And, and they left. And I remember as, as a married couple thinking like, you're part of us, like you were, you know, I don't understand why you felt that way. We were really confused that they left and didn't feel welcome because we're like, you're part of our family, you're here. And so like, where, what are some of the things that you're seeing coming from maybe married couples that we're just blind to, or is there just this sense where our experiences are so different, right? Where you almost feel like disconnected because you don't, because we're living in kind of two different worlds.
1: Oh yeah. There's a lot there. Um, Part of it, like it depends on the situation of course but there's could easily be resentment that's like one of the things i struggled with like if i was friends with a person before they got married um it's uh and then they got married it oh man i i was a horrible friend for for a bit uh because i was so angry because i loved how life was so like in my seminary days like i had uh Wonderful, a wonderful housing situation where I had amazing roommates. And uh, every time, (laughs) this was like my problem here. Uh, Every time they started dating, I was angry. Like I'm just (laughs) like they're they're changing up this perfect living situation. Like I have this wonderful community, and here they are just changing things up. And then they get married and moved out, and things change even more. And resentment really. Yeah, it can really mess things up. And uh, um, me holding on to that for so long hurt a lot of my a lot of my friendships. But that kind of sheds light on onto the situation there. Um, it's like the dynamic changes entirely uh, when somebody gets married. So if the married person doesn't recognize that, Um, that adds salt to the wound because uh, the the single person is seeing everything changing in front of their eyes and it's their friend doesn't even realize that they are changing everything. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, and so it's like, like you, you need, you need like married people need to recognize that everything changes. And that's not a bad thing because one of the things I've realized later on And some of my friends who got married, their spouses made them a whole lot better. Uh like they were better friends and their uh life situation, like who they were as a person was just way better as a result. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, that is that's wonderful. And then I became really good friends with their um spouses as well. And I'm like, okay, these situations can turn out really good. Mm -hmm. But what made those situations different as we actually had the honest conversations from the beginning just knowing that the entire relationship the entire dynamic is going to change so married people need to like like keep that in mind the friendships that they had before they were getting married that you have to have the honest conversation because the friendship will change no matter how much you don't want it to it will it's just making sure that it changes in a positive way
0: yeah, that's a good, that's a good, I mean, I'm, I will wholeheartedly say that I'm a much better man now because of my wife than I was beforehand. I was, uh, yeah, not good. I, I look back and, uh, I, uh, I laugh, uh, this is kind of random, but, uh, Charles Spurgeon has this line that we should, we should keep our old sermons to weep over them. <laughs> um, I look at, I look at old stories of who I was, in my early married years and pre-marriage years, and I remember those doors so that I we weep over them. And uh, and thank God for the work that He's done in my life, and for the grace He's given me through through a good wife, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm one of those who uh, I would have been a terrible person probably <laughs> if I wouldn't have been married. So um, I needed I needed a good woman to to keep me in line and to to help provide some sanctification in my life, but. But it, it's been hard for me because, yeah, as soon as I got married, some of my single friends who I really loved and cared for, and wanted to support and wanted to do stuff with, um, that relationship changed. And I was trying to do that. But you're right. I think I was probably trying to interact with them as a single person who was married, right? Rather than just kind of learning, saying, like, hey, this dynamic has changed now. And now let's learn to interact with one another. And probably, you know, that's one of the things we need to just admit in our churches as well, like, hey, we're living in two kind of different experiences here, like us married families, and the single person. Um, So how do we have a how do we figure out how to do this? Well, rather than kind of looking at each other, like, you know, because I've had I've had single people come up to me and, and like our church doesn't love us, our church doesn't care about our church. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to look through the pain and say like, okay, maybe not all those are completely accurate, but there's something going on here. How can we address that? But, but then on the other hand, talking to them and saying, but maybe there's something going on in you too, that's making you feel kind of removed from the community. That's not actually there either. Right. And so it's a really tricky conversation to have.
1: Yeah. One of, one of the challenges that we have to somehow overcome is like what really adds to the loneliness even if the rest of the community loves this person when they when the day-to-day life uh just has no interaction with other people when they can't have those spontaneous interactions so like think of like back to your university years when you wanted to hang out with people you never planned it you just did it uh like when you um um, like oh all the all the nights of like playing Mario Kart or having Canadian Bible study uh, like those those uh, were never planned and now um, those are more immature days uh, but the having those spontaneous interactions is something that single people often yearn for and so when we have to schedule every interaction that we have and we can't have spontaneous interactions that that is a a lonely thing so i don't know i don't know what churches can do to increase that like i think hospitality is one answer uh, because if somebody can just show up at your house like that's a spontaneous interaction that you don't have to plan for um uh, me going back to my monasteries uh like if like yeah, what if what if churches like had some sort of community supported some sort of community living situation where single people can live together? Um, it's uh, we have a lot of parsonages. Why don't we use that to have affordable housing for single people and create a sort of community? I don't know. Like, right. like it is providing that spontaneous interaction that single people need.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a good word, and it's something um, I'm gonna have to think about more on how we can do that because. The hard part of all of that is right and I can see how it would be frustrating too if you felt like you were always the one having to initiate these these interactions like you have to schedule them and you have to and it's like why am I always having to like say let's get together for coffee let's get together for this because you feel like. Almost then it's a one-sided, com- you know, it's well, a one-sided relationship again. And
1: eventually you just give up. I've done that so many times where I'm like, I'm just done scheduling this. So I just stop. But that's also to my detriment, but I'm just kind of tired to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's exhausting. I, I mean, even just one small thing that I've noticed with some of the, like my congregation is primarily older. And so we have single, we have like widows and widowers in our, in my church, but we also have some people who have been you know, single and celibate their whole life. And they're in their sixties and seventies. And uh, one of the things that they're working on, I mean, they kind of do, they have like a standing dinner, a lunch uh, gathering after church, or they go out to a restaurant after church. And it's like, anybody who wants to come can come, right? And it's kind of a small thing, but just after talking to you, I've realized that's a really good thing because it allows for that just spontaneous, like just let's get together. Whoever wants to come, can come and, uh, and then we can have some level of community and fellowship. And uh, that's something I'm probably going to encourage more of, but it's hard. Uh, Just in general, just the way our culture is designed right now. um, And just the way we function, these spontaneous interactions are extremely difficult because we're all in our houses. And um, I remember uh, my cross-cultural internship for seminary was in the Dominican Republic. And so I was five weeks in the Dominican Republic. And, uh, and I'm actually kind of an introvert. Actually, I'm pretty much an introvert. Um, <laughs> but I really, really loved um, the Dominican culture where nobody was in their houses. Um, everybody, like it was weird for someone to be alone in their house. Everybody was out on the street all the time. And so it was for one. It was amazing to do ministry because you could just walk down the street and start talking to people, and and you had good gospel conversations. And we had people bringing us in to pray over people, and and uh, it was really cool. And I was looked at as the really weird guy who like eventually had to take a break and get some alone time. And they're like, "What's wrong with you, right?" But. But I came back from the Dominican Republic so excited to do ministry this way with all these unique interactions and, and just out on the street and I started doing that in our community and I'm like, nobody's out on the street, like nobody's here. Nobody's like everybody's locked up in their houses everybody's like in the stores they're like I'm getting my job done I'm doing you know I'm I'm out. And it's really hard to have those just spontaneous interactions anymore. It seems like we're so planned and organized, probably because we're so busy.
1: I, I you you hit the hit the nail on the head right there. Like it's uh, I it seems like every culture I've been to outside of North America is way better of having the spontaneous interactions with other people. Like even um, like one of my favorite countries i wish i lived in uh, is iceland i am obsessed with iceland anything icelandic i am just oh man uh i remember one time i was there in january cold frigid uh like iceland isn't known for being a warm place uh everybody was outside like in reykjavik everybody was walking down the streets at like 10 11 at night it's a uh, it's a uh, cold weather and um like there were so many interactions on the street and i'm like man when i walk around my city in winter in just as difficult a weather nobody nobody is around like it is so how do we how do we work within that highly individualistic culture and sometimes it seems like the barriers are just too large like it is which i think is probably part of the reason why the marriage conversation is such a big um big hot topic right now because uh people don't see living on your own as a possible reality Mm. and uh um and it makes it makes sense because sometimes the barriers just seem so large but i truly believe that a culture that supports single people better whether that's in the church or in a culture at large will be healthier for everybody like i i yeah so that's i think that would relieve some of the pressure with the marriage um debate
0: yeah and i think um uh, you know one of the things i'm just taking away from this conversation is um, on the one hand we can look at all these barriers and say like it's an impossible task right or we can read uh, Rosario Butterfield's you know description of what hospitality looked like and be like yeah that's never gonna happen and uh and so we can sometimes set the bar so high and we can sometimes um see the barriers are so high and we just get paralyzed and we don't do anything um and really we just need to do something mm-hmm. like, try something like even if you think it's like a piddly measly little effort do it and try something to show hospitality to in your in your community and especially in particular to to the single people in your community like try to do something and then if it fails well try something else and just we got it we have to do something to try to figure out how to do this do this better
1: Uh, yeah exactly um can I go heretical for a little bit? Um <laughs> and and uh, well, And uh um uh, uh reference Karl Bart and <laughs> <laughs> uh Carl Bart and some may disagree with this. But when Carl Bart looked at the uh male and female and their relationship to each other, he's he's like, yeah, the the to provide like the, for like a fuller understanding or the fuller image of God. It's male and female and healthy relationship to each other. Uh, but then he went one step further. It's not just in the marriage setting. It's male and female and healthy relationship to each other in our communities. He was actually strongly against men's groups and women's groups. Uh, he was like, he was like, everybody needs to be together and having healthy relationship to represent the full image of God. Mm-hmm. Um, now whether whether you agree to the sort of analogy he has or parallelism that he has to the Trinity, uh, because there are some people who will debate that. um, what what we could probably agree on, like, oh, we should widen that um male and female coming together more than just marriage, but our everyday interactions. Um and it's uh like, like I think that is pretty essential to helping us to form this larger community, um to together.
0: Yeah, amen.
1: So Carl Bart isn't all bad. No, oh, no, no not I, all bad. Am I gonna be invited back on? Is that?
0: <laughs> That's all right. We 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 can we can deal with her heretics later. You know, we'll we'll be tying you up and burning you at the stake <laughs> in a future podcast. <laughs> but but i think i think you know we can i i have i've told people like my whole education has been one around uh somebody i the the description is you know chewing up the <laughs> chewing the meat spitting out the bones right and we can yep. we we should be able to see truth where wherever it comes from even if it comes from some crazy heretic right and Carl, but it, not saying carl bard's necessarily full of crazy heretic but he got some issues right we all know that
1: yeah yeah
0: um but he has some good stuff and i think this is another this is a good one that there's obviously a closeness of relationship between a husband and wife helps this kind of male-female thing but but the reality is that we can't yeah, we can get community is all about that interaction of males and females. And, and obviously we can have female relationships that are non-sexual, right. In, uh, in that sense, helpful for, for men to have that. And it's helpful for men to have relationships with men. Right. So like, I'm not totally like get rid of all men's groups, but if all you have are men's groups, um, then you're going to, you're going to be malformed, right. Because all you're going to be around is these guys and, you know, and whatever, and you're not going to have the, the compliment kind of tempering uh, tempering your masculinity because let's be honest, our masculinity needs to be tempered by femininity. It has to be in some ways. And same thing with femininity needs to be tempered by masculinity and that's the beauty of community.
1: That Let's dig into Karl Barth a little bit more than, because this kind of makes me, makes me laugh a little bit. One of, like, Karl Barth also, like, is... Was like deeply opposed to homosexuality, but the reason for it is, um, is uh, he he was like, Um, um, you need to, yeah, have the masculinity and femininity coming together, whether in marriage or outside marriage. And he's like, Uh, homosexual men are just way too masculine. I'm paraphrasing there, but it's just, it just makes me laugh. I'm like, you know, I'll take it, I'm just way too masculine. It's
0: uh, (laughs) but I love it.
1: It is an interesting, interesting uh, approach there. Um, yeah, it's like the the community struggle though. It is it is a real struggle, but every, like you said earlier, every little action counts for that. Um, and and the reality is, we have a strong biblical theological foundation for community we we have like the strong incentives for community more than like any other group we see out there and and so we really need to make sure that we are building off of those strong theological reasons for community
0: amen yeah and that's uh it's going to be i think more and more um one of the big gifts that the church has for society in general is this, this, this foundation of community, because I think, I mean, we all we have tribalism, we have all of that, but, but community is re- like real true community is being longed for more and more and more. Um, and so the church, we have that. I mean, yes, we're fail. We fail at it in some ways, but there is still, even in bad churches, there's, there's a sense of community there. And uh, and people are longing for that, and so I think we need to keep focusing on that and um, keep deepening that and widening our community, so that uh, because that's what uh, that's what people are looking for as as society begins to kind of crumble a little bit.
1: Yeah, what what that comment uh, reminds me of Herman Bavink. Uh So I'm throwing in both parts and Bavink, uh, today. There we today. Everybody loves Bavink though. Um, when Bavink talks about the Trinity. And he really has this understanding that all of creation has the stamp of the Trinity. Your words are different, and that's a, a paraphrase of Augustine, I believe. But but um, Bavinck, he emphasizes that absolute uh, unity and absolute diversity within the Trinity. And the way that impacts our relationships, or really the, the church, is uh, we also reflect Um, as a church that absolute unity and absolute diversity at that which is like like which boggles the mind but the trinity itself also boggles the mind and so it's just like like uh, so the church community has to be able to, to 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 display that
0: that's it for this week's pastoral care conversation stay tuned next week to hear dave bosher and i talk about pastoral care around the issue of pornography Until then, don't forget this is Christ's church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season, and keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.